Isaiah 63, 15 through 19. Look down from heaven and see from your holy and beautiful habitation. Where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. For you are our father. Through a- Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from of old is your name. O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people held possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled, like Mm. those who are not called by your name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, continuing and wrapping up chapter 63 of Isaiah, joined by the wonderful Jennifer McClish. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. Will. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Um, And and this is a really powerful prayer that's Mm -hmm. tucked in here at the end. So yesterday, you know, Isaiah, it's, you know, it it starts, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. And he kind of like looks back on God's steadfast love to the people of Israel, specifically in the Exodus. Right. And, um, and the whole like wilderness saga. And this is a really personal prayer that he kind of follows up with and it's really pastoral. Mm. Um, and you know, it's something that I could kind of imagine like a modern day pastor, like looking at, you know, um, what can sometimes feel like the hellscape of like the state of religion and Christianity in the world, or at least like in the immediate world surrounding us and, um, where everything's so politicized and, and divided and, um, gosh, it, it's very evocative and it's asking those hard questions of like, Lord, mm-hmm. why, why won't you just act? Like, why won't you just draw us near again? Right. And, um, man, I, I love passages like this because it's a reminder that for where, wherever you are, um, there, there's a prayer and a person mm-hmm. in the narrative of scripture, uh, that you can resonate with. And so That's right. Jennifer, what are your thoughts on oh, he's this so passage? instructive. I love how you set that up that like, yeah, he's just like us. And then he's looking around at the disarray of this earthly, like what we see of the kingdom of God here and the already not yet. And it's, it's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, oh, there's a lot gosh. of places where it does not look as it should. And yet his first inclination is that we need an intervention from God. Like, it's not that like we need to get ourselves together and get this thing together it's like we we need God, and so you can hear some longing in here in this prayer for mercy. Totally. Like he's he's longing, um, and he's longing for the love of God. And I just love it. it's almost like a child, like that. Even that first sentence, like look down from heaven and see. It's like you can almost just imagine him like grabbing the face of God and being like, look, look, look at, at this, yeah. yeah from yeah. and yet he knows exactly who God is because he says like your holy and beautiful habitation. So there's no. Um, you know, confusion here about like God's holiness and how other, other he is from us. And yet he knows that because of God's character, that there would be like a a passionate commitment to Mm -hmm. his people. And so Mm -hmm. he's asking, where is that? The zeal, um, your might, like, where's your, your passionate commitment, the stirring of your inner parts, like that compassion. Again, anytime you see compassion in God, we saw this in Jesus, God is moved by the cry of his people, but like it always involves like an action towards. Yeah, yeah. So again, Isaiah is just like, what? 
where is that? Like, I'm not seeing it yeah. um, with my eyes. And yet his next inclination is to say, you are our father. So Gosh. it's like going right back to that. Um, this is why I'm asking why I'm praying and coming to you as to anywhere else, because it's like, I, I know who you are and I know your heart for us. Yeah. Yeah. What a great framework for struggling with unbelief and struggling with, um, you know, fear and discouragement. And, you know, I I think it's so significant because Isaiah, you know, he's a real person in real time. And if you read the the books of history in the Bible, you know, it's, it's a pretty messy place. There's all these Kings and kingdoms Mm -hmm. and wars and warriors. Right. And, they uh they just get worse and worse and then there'll be like a little bit of reform and then their son will come yeah. along and mess it up yeah and it, it's real discouraging and then you see like tucked into those stories you know this king went and talked to Isaiah the prophet or to you, you know mm-hmm. like these different mm-hmm. uh, prophets whose you know words we have recorded here in the books of the prophets and so you know you have to just like contextualize this into history of like just the the chaos and discouraging uh place where Isaiah would have been doing his ministry and you know like that continues and continues and and these are the sorts of prayers and the sorts of sentiments that we see resounding through so much of prophecy and then it just falls silent and then Christ enters right there's this yeah like, amazing like intervention by God yeah um, over and over it, yeah yeah you can see like uh yeah again Isaiah is not uh yeah he's not confused about who God is or even who they are like even in that next section where he says though Abraham does not know us I'm like that really hit me like imagine Abraham hmm. showing up in your church body like would he recognize um the same kind of faith that he had that mm. drove him to um, follow God into the unknown and to trust him for decades for this promise of a child and to pray for a city like Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, so many things about Abraham's life. It's like, would he recognize the kind of faith that we have here? Obviously, Isaiah saw that like, I don't, I don't think Abraham would recognize us as the same kind of people as he is. So he's very much confessional there. And then he's also admitting as much that like, we don't even, uh, Israel does not acknowledge us, basically saying like, we don't even really deserve to be called Israel. And yet he's still pleading on the basis of God's character, like realizes that that's on us, but God is still absolutely faithful to his promises and faithful to his people. And then you can see that he makes that connection between not only just like the father relationship, but then there's like, some parallelism there with the our redeemer from mm. of old is your name this redeemer thing is like so powerful and it's hard for us to understand because like i think a lot of times we think of i mean redeeming does mean like buying back something like buying back property that was lost buying back us a person who was sold into slavery mm-hmm. so there is this kind of very like transactional like yeah you buy them back but in this in this time like you said i love mm-hmm. that you're rooting us in time and history this Goel is a person who was also like cared for uh, widows and orphans, mm. like the um, looking after the weak and the vulnerable. The, uh, this person was mm. also like 
Yeah. The kinsman redeemer was like tasked with like preserving the family. Yeah. Like protecting the, the family. The redeeming well, no pun intended. <laughs> I know, but right? It's the redeeming like thread in Ruth is Boaz. Yes. Is the yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great note because we tend to, we hear father and we immediately know like that's a earthly role that we like ascribe to a heavenly God. But we hear redeemer and because that's not as much a thing in our society. Right. Like we hear that as like a spiritual role for a spiritual God. And yet like in the Old Testament, when God is called a redeemer, it's like this very grounded, like yes. it's a type of person. And like you said, it's like a person who who takes in his brother's widow. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. and uh, that's like such a more powerful and compelling image. <laughs> right. Like uh, Isaiah's faith is so huge in the who God is that he realizes that even in the face of all of our rebellion um, and idolatry and especially of this people at this time um, and the reason why they found themselves in the situation that they're in is not would not thwart the heart of God to continue to preserve his family. So it's like the it gives him the even the. I don't know, the idea, the like trust to like come to God and yeah. pray this kind yeah. of like really bold prayer, if mm -hmm. you will, when mm -hmm. you think about how rebellious. And, and you can see even in the next section when he says, oh, Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? It's like to our ears that can. I know a lot of times I struggle and I've talked to people who struggle before, like God hardens hearts. Like, sure. is that fair? Sure. <laughs> and yet. Isaiah's not saying like he's not blaming our like God for our sin. He's already mm -hmm. confessed like he's very much like we own the sin. He's basically kind of describing God's discipline at work. And I think it's important for us to recognize that like um, there's this quote from a commentator. Ray Ortland said this when we wander from God, that doesn't put him in a hard, um, a helpless position of hand wringing and wondering what to do next. If we wander from his ways, God may teach us a lesson by um, handing us over to the power of our sins, hardening yep. us so that we can't come back, which sets up the next line, um, which, reali which Isaiah realizes that like, you know, God doesn't play, don't play basically. Mm -hmm. Like he will turn you over in his discipline to your mm -hmm. sin for a time. And yet Isaiah recognizes that then we need the Lord even like just as we've always needed. The Lord. That is the only remedy. That's the only salvation. It's always mm. God only. So he's like, what do we need? Even in this hardening, we need you to return for the sake of your servants. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, just as we close, I think this is a good model of um, how to live as intercessors and, and as priests um, for us today. Yeah. And, you know, just I think so much of like the Christian blogosphere and Twitter where like there's just so much like stone throwing over, mm -hmm. um, you know, religious disagreement and uh, Christians who are like practicing dangerous doctrines or whatever. Right. And, you know, I just I want to be the type of person where when I see people like when I look out on the the sometimes like smoldering ashes yeah. of like uh, American evangelicalism as right. it can like feel like sometimes. Um, I, I don't want to be just like a scoffer and send the seat, mm -hmm. seat of scoffers and just be like, these people are idiots and like, I get it. 
Right. But like, this is such a, you know, and it reminds me of Moses, like interceding for the people of Israel. Yes. And it points forward to Christ interceding for his bride. Absolutely. It's like, you know, may we be people who say on behalf of the church and on behalf of believers who, who have lost their way or, right. or um, unbelievers like, Lord, don't make us wander. Don't let us harden our hearts, but, yeah. you know, come back. Let us see your compassion and your zeal and your might. And, yeah. And, and ultimately, like how you can see how Isaiah at the end of this place, at the end of this, uh, this little section, even how much he desires the glory of God. Like that's yeah. the ultimate um, it's like your holy place, your sanctuary, your oh, name. Yeah. And that's the way forward for us too. Yeah, to God's just glory. want God's glory so much that yeah. it moves us to pray in this way. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, you know, the the story of the Pharisee who's looking at the sinner saying, God, mm. thank you that you've not made me like them. <laughs> right. Thank you that I get it. Mm. And then the sinner praying. Lord, have mercy on me. And so uh, may we be the latter as we meditate on this today. Well, for Jennifer McClish, this is Will Carlisle. We'll continue on in Isaiah tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.